0: Brother Tony, thank you for the introduction. To the elders, thank you for approving. Uh, Whomever uh, recommended me to be one of the speakers on your series of lessons on Sunday evening. I am honored to be here. This is my first time here. On the way down here, my wife was trying to convince me that I've been here before. And I said, I don't think so, honey. And so when we turned and saw the building, she said, no, you're right. So I've had to write that down. 36 years of married life. That's the first time I've been right, (laughs) but it is a joy to be here, and uh, there's a uh, brother in the audience named Steve, and Steve, I've already forgotten your last name, but Steve heard me at polishing the pulpit, and and he's one that perhaps recommended me of someone else, but whomever, I'm honored uh, to be here. Have you ever had one of those days when you got up that morning and you knew it was going to be one of those days? Well, I've had one of those days where everything has gone wrong. Hopefully, my lesson's going to go right tonight. I got out and got ready to go to church, and the vehicle was on a flat. It had been downhill ever since then. But, uh, but we made it here. I said I was gonna, we was going to get here at 5.15. Uh, we got here about eight minutes till 6, but we spent 30 minutes riding around in your town. My GPS took us everywhere but the right place. But I know McMinnville pretty well now. I've been up under every bridge and across every. But we're here nonetheless. Who can find a virtuous woman? Your series of, uh, your theme for these series of Sunday evening services: Great questions of the Bible. And the question has been assigned to me is Proverbs chapter thirty-one verse ten. Who can find a virtuous woman? There are three points I want to make tonight. So I have three objectives. When we get to uh, objective number three, you'll know that I'm almost about to come uh, to an end. And I hope that what I prepared to say to you tonight will be encouraging to you. I want to start off with a poem. It's simply entitled, A Song. A song is not a song until someone sings it. A bell is not a bell until someone rings it. Love that is placed in the heart it's not put there to stay. Love is not love until it is given away. I've come here tonight from Henderson, Tennessee, representing Freed Heart University as well as Oak Grove Congregation to give you love, to give you some encouragement from God's word. It is my prayer what I've studied and what i prepared to say to you tonight will find a place in your heart and will help you walk closer with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The first objective of the night is to is to explain the question explain the question, who can find a virtuous woman? What is the meaning of this question that is raised by King uh, Lemuel? Who is this man? Who is this king? This is the first time that he's mentioned in the Bible. Who is he? Well, the first thing, some people speculate that he might be King Hezekiah. Uh, that's a possibility. But I think it is King Solomon. Why do I think it's King Solomon? Because of the internal evidence found in Proverbs chapter one and verse number eight. Well Solomon is encouraged to remember, to remember the advice that his father gave him, but not only his father, but also his mother. And so throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon and other writers of the New Testament, I mean of the Old Testament a Book of Proverbs, they have been citing different Proverbs and, and Solomon has been focused on the advice given to him by his father, except in chapter 31. He started sharing with us advice given to him by his mother. And his mother tells him to avoid certain kind of women. And then Solomon gets to Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, and he raised the question for our consideration tonight, who can find a virtuous woman? I want the lesson, as I've been encouraged, encouraged to do, to be practical. And so I want to put a twist on it. Who can find a virtuous spouse? In this day and time, you need to be looking for a virtuous spouse because we're living in a time when when nearly 50% of all marriages end by means of divorce. And if you're going to keep your marriage together, then before you walk across that altar, Before you say, I do, you need to be looking for, you need to invest the time and energy looking for a virtuous woman, looking for a virtuous man. Not only will 50% of marriages end by means of divorce, one-third of all homicides in America, one-third of all homicides is when a husband or a wife kills another spouse, when a boyfriend or girlfriend kills a, a, a significant other. We live in a day and time when relationships such as marriage are deadly. Therefore, if you want to stay alive, you need to look for a virtuous spouse. But then, based upon psychological and and counseling research, two-thirds of marriages in America are empty-shell marriages, where people are married but they're not happily married. And God has so planned this institution of marriage that if you make the selection to get married, God wants you to be happy. In order for you to be happy in marriage, it's vital that you take the time and energy to look for a virtuous spouse, a virtuous woman, a virtuous man. And so what is said in the text, who can find a virtuous Woman or a virtuous spouse doesn't mean the person doesn't exist. What what Solomon is saying, Sammy, is that in this day and time, it is hard to find a good spouse. It is difficult to find a virtuous woman. It is difficult to find a virtuous man. They are rare. They are sacred. But you take your time and look carefully for this spouse. Before you say, I do, make sure that you invest the energy in looking for the right person. I have three sons. Only one is married. And my wife and I, we've tried to instill in each of those boys the kind of spouse to look for. Because I want them to be happy. And Ron and I just celebrated last week 36 years of married life. We dated three years, and we have been together 39 years. And I would love to tell you that every year has been great, but I'll be lying. There were times early in the marriage that I wanted to body slam Rhonda. (laughs) And there were times she wanted to body slam me. But you know what? We made it through the marriage. And it was not long after our marriage. You see, I started looking for a wife when I was 16 years old. I knew I wanted to get married, and so I started looking, and at age 17, I spotted Rhonda. And we started dating, and I saw in her the attributes that I thought would be good for a minister's wife. And so when we turned when I turned 20, we got married. But in my mind, I wanted to make Rhonda just like my mother, just like mom. And so when we walked across that altar and said, I do, I was mild, first week of the marriage didn't say much. Just let Rhonda be Rhonda. But after about six months, I started working on Rhonda. I just wanted her to change her and start telling her how to make the bed up. You pull the sheet. You took it. And, and that's, that's the way my mom made it up. And I started telling her how to do this and how to do this and do it just like mom. And my wife looked at me like, this man is crazy. But nonetheless, I kept on. Now, don't tell me men can't be a grouch that men can't just become difficult to live with. And after about nine months of married life, Rhonda had all she could take. I mean, me telling her what to do, and it was a Thursday afternoon. Some things you don't forget. I've been out on a Bible study, and I came home, and and when I got home, she was in one of these romantic moods, and she had prepared the preacher's favorite dish, fried chicken. And the candlelight was lit, and I said, man, it's going to be a great night until I bit into that fried chicken. And when I bit into that chicken, blood come running down my cheek. And I lost it. This God-fearing, godly man lost it. And I jumped up from the table, and I started letting Rhonda have it. And I started saying, Rhonda, you know what? You can't cook. You can't make up a bed. You can't, matter of fact, you can't do anything right. Let me pause and say this. Men, especially you young men who are single. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, I'm telling you, that's not the way you can start a a marriage. But nonetheless, I thought I was doing this for Rhonda's benefit. Because if she's going to change and become like I wanted her to be, she needs to listen to me. And so I am started telling Rhonda she can't do all these things, and she's looking at me like, man, this guy has lost his mind. If he thinks I'm going to do this and he thinks I'm going to do that, and so in my mind she's not paying me any attention. And so I said, if you can't do any better, I'll just leave. Thought surely when she heard that she'll fall to her knees and jump down and say, Sammy, please don't leave me. I need a man to take care of me. She looked up and said, bye. <laughs> she's not getting the point. And so still I'm saying, man, this is not working. The psychology is not working. So I went in there and started packing my bags. And guess what she was doing? She was handing them to me. <laughs> it's not going like I wanted it to go. So i am st- got to continue to bluff. So I put, packed my suitcase, got in the car. Sure, I thought she'd run out there and say, Sammy, please don't leave. She was at the window. Bye. And I left. And when I left, I went to my favorite eating place, McDonald's. And while I was at McDonald's for five hours, a light went off. And the light said, Sammy, you know what? You know those things you've been complaining about with Rhonda? You can do them. Why don't you do them? You know how you want your bed made up. Why don't you make them up? You know how you want your socks on and your boxers on, your T-shirt on? Why don't you iron your own T-shirt? You know how you like the, the house to be spotless and, and all that? you do those things that you have been complaining about. Well, I was going to be the facilitator. I wanted her to do those things just like my mom. My mom ironed our socks because they were cotton. The T-shirts and the boxes, they were all cotton. And mom didn't believe that any, any person ought to put on anything with wrinkles. And so she ironed everything. And Rodney said, if you want iron socks, you're not going to get them from me. But nonetheless, a light went on. And when that light went off, I said, this is what we're going to do to save our marriage. And so I went back home. Rhonda was sitting on the couch waiting on me. The first thing I did, I apologized. I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a virtuous husband because my attitude wasn't right. And so I begged Ronnie to forgive me. And I said, honey, this is what we're going to do. From now on, I'm going to do all the washing. I'm going to do all the cooking. I'm going to do all the shopping. I'm going to do everything. You don't have to do anything but watch me. Now, let me tell you this. I am a poor teacher. (laughs) But after about seven years of doing that, one day she came to me and said, Sam, I got it. What's the point? I saved my marriage because I was willing to change some things about myself. And in a marriage, a virtuous man, a virtuous woman will look at self and see what changes he or she needs to make. And Solomon raises the question, who can find a virtuous woman? What is a virtuous woman? A virtuous woman is a person or a virtuous spouse is a person with high, strong, moral character. What kind of character are you? What kind of person are you? This person is driven by biblical principles. This person has values that are dear to him and dear to her, and, and they won't compromise. You want to see an example of a virtuous person? Turn to Genesis chapter 39. Look at verse 9. We're introduced to a young man that you are all familiar with, Joseph. Joseph is away from home. He's down in Egypt. And one day a lady comes to Joseph and said, Joseph, sleep with me. You can have me. Potiphar's out of town. I don't believe it. this is the first time. I don't believe it's the second or the third or fourth. But... Every time Joseph said no. Look at verse 39. And Joseph tells us why. Why didn't Joseph sleep with this man's wife? Why didn't Joseph sleep with this man's wife? He said, "Sammy, I couldn't commit this sin against my God. You see, when you are a virtuous person, you don't compromise. You know what's expected of you, and it doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the circumstance. You're going to do the right thing. Who can find a man like that today? Who can find a woman like that today in America? Where it's no big deal to compromise. Where it's no big deal to have an adulterous affair with someone, but not a virtuous man. Not a virtuous woman. Not a virtuous spouse. And Solomon says that person is worth looking for. That person who has values. That are dear to him and dear to her. Turn to Ruth chapter 3. Look at verse number 11. You for me with this beautiful story about Ruth. She enters into Bethlehem. She goes to this man, Boaz Field, to work. And while she's there, she meets this man who's going to change her life. And Boaz says something about Ruth that in a short time she was there in the city of Bethlehem. She says, uh, he says to her, your reputation, paraphrasing, is known throughout the city as to be a virtuous woman, a God-fearing woman. Husband, what kind of reputation do you have here? Wife, what kind of reputation do you have in McMinnville? Young people, what kind of reputation do you have? You see, a virtuous person has an impeccable reputation. Reputation. It is something that is dear to them. It is something that, that, that they put in a lot of energy and effort and trying to achieve. Turn to John chapter 8. Look at verse number 29. You see, to be a virtuous spouse, to be a virtuous woman or man, you must have a mind frame, a mindset. And, and a virtuous person has the mindset of Jesus. The latter part of verse 29, it says that he always did those things that please his father. There's a passion within a virtuous man, a virtuous woman to please God. That's why they can't do certain things. That's why they won't do certain things, because there's this passion in him or her. Oh, I want to see his face. Well, oh, I want to see God's face one day and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving me so much to let your only child die for me. You see, when you're driven with a passion, there are things you refrain from. You won't compromise. Before going to Freed Harbor University, while I was in my graduate work at Mississippi State University, I had an opportunity for five years to teach undergraduate classes there. And every semester I taught, there were about 250 students in my class. Here I was, I just graduated from Fried Hardeman and started teaching at a state university in my 21, 22 years of age. And each semester, two or three young girls would come by my office and say, Mr. Jones, I, I like the way you teach. I like you as a teacher. And I'm willing to do whatever you want or anything you want to get an A in your class. Every semester, every year for five years. I had girls propositioning me. Why didn't I? Not once, when my colleagues, other fellow graduate students, as well as professors, were sleeping with students, why didn't I? And even though I showed them my wedding band, and they said, we don't care about that. I said, you may not care, but I care. I said, I love my wife too much to do that. I am so thankful that Naomi... My mother, and my grandmother, down in Houston, Mississippi, when I stayed with her in the summertime, I'm so thankful that Naomi passed on to me certain values. I'm so thankful that Amos, my grandfather, they encouraged me to go to church, and I'm so thankful that they encouraged me to be a preacher. But prior to that, they instilled certain values in me. A virtuous person is a person who has a passion to want to please God. A virtuous person is a person who protects the heart. Proverbs 4, verse 23, this person knows out of the heart come forth the issues of life, and therefore he protects it. She protects the heart. Young people, I challenge you tonight protect your heart. Don't let anything and everything go into it. And so, who can find a virtuous woman? That's the first objective. Objective number two, very quickly, is what's the implication of the question then? Now that we understand who is a virtuous spouse, what's the implication? Look at Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. He says, here's the implication. That person is of great value, Sammy. The implication is that person is of great value. If you spend time finding, to find a a, a virtuous woman, a virtuous man, a virtuous spouse, you have found a treasure. You have found something of great worth. You have found something that's priceless. You have found something that's going to make you smile. After 36 years, when I look at Rhonda, when she's sleeping, she maybe think I'm sleeping. I'm looking at her, and I'm saying, "Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving me her." I in 36. Years ago, almost 35 years ago, I didn't think there was going to be that way. There were days I was ready to get out of the marriage. But when you have something worth dying for, you're ready to make changes that would keep the marriage together.
1: And so the implication is,
0: if you can find a virtuous woman, a virtuous man, you ought to do something. You ought to do, number one, thank God every day. As Ephesians Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, We ought to give thanks to God always. Every morning I wake up, thank you, God. Every night before I close my eyes, thank you, God, for giving me Rhonda because if I married anybody else, I'd be dead. But Rhonda was patient with me. She saw potential in me. She didn't kill me when I told her all those things and horrible things I said to her on that Thursday afternoon. You see, a virtuous person, is understanding. When you find a virtuous person, you take the time to express appreciation. Turn to the Psalms of Solomon, chapter 4. Look at verse 1. Solomon who had uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. How was he able? Solomon knew something about married life. And if you want to keep your marriage together, A virtuous man, a virtuous spouse would take the time to express appreciation. Paraphrasing verse number one, Solomon says this to his wife. Honey, when I think about you, I I just smile. Your long hair reminds me of a flock of goats. Now notice, I'm not saying call your husband or wife a goat. Now, that's not the point. Back then, a flock of goat was of great value. It was something special when the last time you said something nice to your spouse when the last time you said to her, Baby, honey, whatever you call her, I appreciate you so much. You see, I try not to let a day or week go by without me telling Rhonda how much I appreciate her, for staying with me, for encouraging me for being there supporting me in my endeavor to want to be a gospel preacher, thank you, baby. Thank you. Thank you for giving me three sons that I'm proud of. Thank you for all the things you've done. You see, when you find a virtuous spouse, you don't take the person for granted. You take the time to not only express appreciation to God for her or for him, but you say the words to her. The third thing you do, you're going to treat them with understanding. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. You see, my marriage didn't change and start getting better until I realized something. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, Jesus said something there that was saying, it was exactly the Sammy Jones. Let nothing you do, Sammy, be done through selfish or vainglory, but in lowness of mind. Let each person esteem the other better than himself. You see, I, my marriage didn't start becoming this great marriage until I stopped focusing on Sammy and what Sammy wanted. And I started focusing on what? Good for Rhonda. Make Rhonda happy. You see, I have several objectives in life. First is to please God. And second, it's more important to me than anything other than God is to live to make Rhonda happy. That's my agenda. Yes, I want to be successful as a gospel preacher, but it's more important to me than preaching the gospel. You see, I can go to heaven without being a preacher. I want Rhonda to know that I love her. I want my boys to know that I love their mother. I'm going to treat her with kindness. I'm going to treat her with love. I'm going to love her like she's never been loved before. And if God takes me from this earth, one thing she would know, not that Sammy was a great teacher or preacher. Didn't that man love me? You see, that's a virtuous man. I want to be that. I'm not there yet. I'm still working on it. Is there another audience tonight who wants to be that virtuous man? You're going to make sure that your wife knows that she's loved? What about it, virtuous woman? You're going to make sure that woman knows that she's loved, and you're going to love her unconditionally. You're willing to make sacrifices for her that people will say, man, you are crazy. When you love someone, you'll do things that people don't understand. You'll make sacrifices. You'll make changes because you want that person to know that you love her. Before I go to my final point, I want to close this point with this point is entitled to Cold Within. Listen to it. it. Summarizes some points I want to say. Cold within, six humans were trapped by happenstance, and bleak and bitter cold. Each one possessed a stick of wood, or so the story is told. Their dying fire was in need of logs, but the first man held his back for the faces around the fire he noticed that one was black. The next man, looking across the way, saw one not of his church. He couldn't bring himself to give the fire his thick of birch. The third one sat in tattered clothes. As he gave his coat a hitch, why should my law be put to use to warm the idle rich? The rich man just sat back and thought of oh, the wealth he had in store and how to keep what he had earned from the lazy, shiftless poor. The black man faced bespoke revenge as a fire passed from his sight. All that he saw in his stick of wood was a chance to spite the white. The last man of this forlorn group did not accept for gain. Giving only to those who gave was how he played the game. So with their laws held tight, and death, still hand, was proof of human sin. These six men did not die from the cold without. They all died from the cold within. You know what's killing some marriages in America today? It's not adultery, it's the cold within. It's the cold within, it's habits, it's behaviors in a, in a person that they're unwilling to relinquish. They're unwilling to let go. They would be for the good of the marriage. But here's a man, here's a woman who is so self-centered that if she would just change this about her, he would change this about himself, the marriage would become better. But because they're so angry and so bitter, they stay that way. And a marriage that could be great may stay together for 40 years with two people who are miserable and unwilling to give up a law. What do you need to give up tonight to make your marriage better? Objective number 6 and I'm going to try to cover this as quickly as I can my points. Time is already gone. And that is what are the qualities that makes a person a virtuous spouse. What are the qualities that make a person a virtuous husband or wife? In verses 11 through verse 22 Those qualities can be grouped into six categories. I call them the six senses. With the little time that I have, let me very quickly mention six senses that a spouse needs in order to be a virtuous husband. Six senses that a, a, a woman needs to be a virtuous wife. If you're going to be what God wants you to be, and the kind of spouse that your marriage is going to be great. And these verses here, Solomon says, there's six things. Number one, look at verses 11, 12, and 13. You need to be, have a sense of spouse. That's the first sense you need. You need to understand what it means to be a spouse. You've got to have a sense of spouse. And there are three attributes in verse 11, verse 12, and verse 23. That conveys what it means to be, to have a sense of spouse. Verse 11, there's trust and the relationship. There's trust. Do you trust your spouse 100%? Solomon says you can trust a virtuous woman 100% in her, her husband. He trusts her. Has confidence in her. You see, when there's envy, jealousy in a marriage, there's destruction in the marriage. But a person who is a virtuous man, a virtuous woman, can be trusted. That's commitment. Verse number 12. And verse number 12, it talks about her life is consumed with doing him good. She's committed. They're committed to each other, doing each other good. He doesn't have to worry about ever her harming him because she's committed. He's committed to the marriage. Are you committed to your marriage? As I travel from various places, I don't run to have to ever word when I'm not there about what Sam is doing. I'm committed to my marriage. You see, a virtuous man is committed. Ruth 1, verse 16, verse 17 was quoted at our marriage some 36 years ago. And many of you perhaps have it even quoted at your marriage when Ruth said to Naomi, Entreat me not to leave thee nor to return from following after thee. For where thy goeth, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God shall be my God. Wherever you go, honey, I'm going with you. Commitment. That's what it means to have a sense of spouse. And then in verse number 23, in support. There's support. That's that help me relationship. That's that help me relationship because it says her husband is known throughout the community. As a man of quality. Do you support your husband? Do you build him up? I'm able to speak tonight because my wife has all the confidence in me, but she encourages me. For these 36 years she's been beside me, three years of dating, she's been beside me encouraging me to do what I enjoy, doing more than anything in the world, preaching. That's what it takes to keep a marriage together. There has to be a sense of spouse. Well, there's trust, there's commitment, there's a help me relationship. But it's also my job to encourage her, to build her up. But second, there's a sense of children. Sense of children. Children, look at verses 21, 27, and 28. And you see where they love their children. These parents would not get the Parents of the Year Award, they would get the Parents of Life Award because they truly love their children. Why, verse 21, they anticipate. Their parents with anticipation. That's why the children are not afraid of snow. They're not afraid of the weather because their parents have already anticipated that there might be bad weather, and they made sure that they have what they need. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, Where there is no vision, my people perish. Where there is no vision, children today in America are suffering because we have parents with no vision for their children. But godly spouses, they have a sense of what it means to be parents. They love their children. Verse number 27, they watch over them. They know where they are at night. They protect them like the shepherd of the Middle East. They're watching over their children, and when their children go astray, they go after them. They pursue them. They don't beat them over the head when they make mistakes, but they bring them back on their shoulders, and it's all right. Daddy still loves you. Mama still loves you. That's okay. The story of the prodigal son, that's okay, son. You once was blind, but now you see You see, parents who have a sense of parents, or spouses rather, who have a sense of, of, of children, They watch over their children. And the third thing, they're always there, verse 28. They're always there. That's why the children sing her praises. The children sing the praise of these parents because the parents are always there when there's a little league baseball game, the parents understand. When the children have children to practice, the parents are there. And they know they can count on mama, they can count on daddy. Just like in Hebrews 13, verse 5, the Lord says, Sammy, you can always count on me. I'll never forsake you. Sammy, I'll always be there for you. Third, there's a sense of family. There's a sense of family. And what this means, uh, and this sense of family, is where they are willing. They are, there's an attitude. And, and this family of husband and wife, there's this attitude. Look at the attitude in verse 13. Verse 14 and verse 15, they work joyfully. These parents don't complain about having to get up and go to work to take care of their children. They don't complain about having to go to a ball game, clean up, and, and do these things. They love their children, and the things they do, they do it out of joy. They have a sense of creativity. They look for bargains. When they're buying things, they don't buy the most expensive things for their children. They buy what their children need. There's a sense of teamwork. They never get tired. They're up early in the morning. Late at night, there's this sense of teamwork because there's this sense of family. And they work sacrificially while the children are asleep. Mom and dad are still burning the midnight oil. You see, To be a virtuous man and a virtuous woman, to become virtuous spouses, you need to have a sense of children. Number four, a sense of responsibility. And the sense of responsibility means that you have a purpose. Your purpose drives you. Your purpose is that you want your children to know God. And so Psalms chapter 17 verse 3, David talks about his purpose. And his purpose was this, that he wanted to live so that he may not sin against God with his mouth. Parents who are virtuous spouses, they have a sense of responsibility. They have a sense of purpose. They have a sense of fortitude. They don't get tired. They keep working even when they're they're weary. They have this inner energy and and unreserved energy that just keeps them going like the the ants. A proverb chapter 6 and verse 6 has nothing on these parents. They work well into the night. They're industrious. They work hard. And all through the book of Proverbs chapter 31, it talks about this woman working hard. And parents who are virtuous spouses are hardworking, responsible parents. They're not looking for the government to take care of their children. They accepted that responsibility. They're not looking for the government to tell their children how to live. They teach their children to fear God. And the daddy says, as Joshua said in Joshua 24, verse 15, as for me and my house, just think what America would be tonight, tonight. If we had some virtuous spouses in America today, we wouldn't be in the predicament. Look at our schools, and I could go on. Why? Because... No one's looking for this virtuous woman. No one's looking for this virtuous man. And therefore we're having people getting married and they're not remembering the ingredients of this virtuous woman. Number five, they have a sense of others. In verse 20, it talks about this virtuous woman and a virtuous spouse. They're concerned about others. They're not self-centered. They see others in need. And they're the first to go into the pocket. Hospitable, their house. The doors are always open. They take in strangers. <sighs> Who can find her? Who can find him? Just think how much better America would be if we had people looking. And finally, number six, she has or they have a sense of God. It talks about being beautiful. And verses 25 and 26 and 29 to 31, it talks about how deceitful and vain outward appearance can be. But what he's really talking about, this woman is a beautiful woman. What makes her so beautiful? What makes a virtuous man so beautiful? What makes a virtuous woman so beautiful? She's God-fearing. She has a sense of God. That's a driving force. That's a clothes. You see, you can't go to the mall and buy the clothing for a virtuous spouse. You can't get them at at McRae's. You can't get them at J.C. Penis or Sears. You can only get them out of a deep study of God's Word. And that's what this virtuous man has done. And therefore, it says in verse 25, The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my honor. I live to please God. There it goes back. Does that passion. I live to please God. The words. See, they are known throughout the community as always having something nice to say. You see, you have them right here. You know who they are. Every time you turn around, they're always uplifting you with their kind words. Their words are a breath of fresh air. And not only do they know how to build others up, they build each other up. You see, they are perfect examples here. and You know who they are. When you say, man, I wish they had a marriage like so-and-so, I wish they had. Because they have a sense of God. They have a sense of God. Who can find them? Who can find them? They're rare. What is needed in the church? What is needed in our communities? What is needed in America. Am my 50-some years on this earth, as I think about the day that's going to come when I'm going to leave, having one granddaughter, I'm afraid. There's not many nights lately that I don't go to bed with tears. I don't go to bed with tears and say, God, please bring back the, the good days. When America had a passion to want to serve you, God, please bring that back. I want Riley, my my granddaughter, I want her to experience the America that I experienced. I want her to know God. God, please bring that back. But then I think about how we're going to get back to that. Is we need virtuous marriages. We need some men and women who have good marriages that can change this nation that can change the course that America is now on. And so tonight, I challenge you who are out there who are single to take the time to look for the right man. Look for the right woman. And for you who are married, what do you need to change? Don't let that sweetheart of yours die not knowing with 110 degrees that you love her. Don't let him die without knowing that. Let your children know that you love each other. Let your children know that marriage is a great institution. When you have those ingredients that we've talked about, if you have the sense that we've talked about tonight, you can have it. There were six men who were unwilling to give up a law. They all died. There's somebody here tonight, I don't know who you are, They need to give up a law. When we stand and sing the invitation song, there's something you need to, to change about yourself. Do you have the courage? There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect husbands. There are no perfect wives. And I hope I never get to the point that I think I have arrived and I stop trying to be better. I hope that when the day I take my last breath, In my mind, I'm thinking about how can I just one more way show Rhonda how much I love her? How can I just one more way show her what she means to me? How can I one more way show my boys what it means to love a woman, that they can love their spouse the way I love their mother? If you don't invest that time and energy into your marriage, shame on you. Shame on you. Because other than being a Christian, your marriage ought to be the most important thing. Not your house. Not your saving account. Not your retirement program. Your marriage. Your family. You see, who can find them? If you're here tonight, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, God be thanked, Romans six seventeen that we all were once the servant of sin, but we obeyed from the heart a pattern. We died to sin, we were buried in the watery grave of baptism, and we were resurrected to walk in the newness of life. That's how you become born again. You have to follow that pattern. I know that some people don't want to preach pattern, but the Bible talks about pattern. You have to go through a pattern to have the grace of God, the plan of salvation. You have to be baptized. To be saved. If you're here tonight. You haven't been baptized. God be thanked that you once was a servant of sin. But you obeyed from the heart. A form. A pattern of doctrine. And when you obeyed that pattern. You were then made free. From sin. Tonight you can be free. And if you've been made free. Set free from sin. Now you got to show forth the praise of God. Show others what it means to be a Christian. But if there are things in your life you need to change, the night is the night. to Come and say, God, forgive me. I'm going to do better. If you need to respond, why don't you come?